Hey, good morning and welcome to Breakthrough Walls. I'm Ken Walls and I'm your host. And I have a wonderful guest on today. Her name is Kelly Calabrese. I think I got it right. <laughs> we'll be right back. Stay with us. And we are back. I'm going to bring Kelly on. Kelly, welcome to the show. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. This is fun. You had to get up extra early, didn't you? Not at all. I've been up for a long time. I'm an early riser. I am happy to be here. <laughs> That's awesome. That's so awesome. So, so Kelly, I started the show about two and a half years ago. It was to help people get unstuck. I mean, honestly, at the time I was going through some trials and tribulations myself, and I thought, what better way to get through it than to go help other people? And and so that's that's why I started this. And um, it's been amazing. I, I can't wait to hear your story. Let's let's start with um, oh, there's Jeffrey Miller. Jeffrey's awesome. <laughs> yes. We have some rock stars on already. So, so um, let's start with where you were born and raised. I was born in Staten Island, New York. So one of the five boroughs they call the unforgotten borough. <laughs> ah, the, why do they call it that? Well, because, you know, Manhattan, Brooklyn, Bronx, Queens, they sort of all have their culture and their notoriety and Staten Island was, really a suburb that wasn't spoken about very much. And it's where the landfill is. Let's face it. It's the biggest landfill. And so they didn't talk about it a whole lot because of, yeah, the landfill, I guess. <laughs> is that where you were raised? Like the That's whole time? Where I was born and raised till I was 13. And then we moved to New Jersey. Uh, parents wanted a better life and lifestyle for us. So beautiful suburb in Morris County, New Jersey called Chester. And I went all through high school and I went to college in New Jersey, did my master's in Pennsylvania and wow. I started my business in New Jersey. So I was there for 23 years. My gosh. Wow. So, um, that was fast. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, thanks for being on the show. No, let's uh, so, it up. <laughs> yeah. so let's, let's talk about, um, what it was like for you let's talk about what it was like being in Staten Island. I, I I've never been there, so I don't know anything about it. What it sounds like it's the, almost sounds like it's the stepchild of New York. <laughs> <laughs> I think people feel that way who were raised there. My entire family was there and I was really mm -hmm. blessed because my dad built our house and next door was my dad's brother and his kids. And next door on the other side was my mom's sister and her five kids. And I couldn't go to town without seeing grandparents and aunts and uncles. And I just thought that was normal. I just thought that was natural. I mean, every weekend it was someone's birthday, someone was graduating. So it was just chronic family and our businesses were in town. My parents had delis, pizzerias, restaurants. So family was always kind of coming and going and, our house was where all the events were hosted and went to the same Catholic school my mom went to, you know, kind of small town stuff 50 years ago. <laughs> so wow, it was actually a great place to be raised. It's very different today, but it was, I mean, we had horses in our backyard. My parents owned the only barn in Staten Island, New York. They had horses. So it was pretty rural, rural a while ago. Wow. So the, the, I see, I picture anything in New York, like as far as like living wise, like the how, the way the houses are stacked together on Archie Bunker or what, you know what I mean? Like, that's what I, but that doesn't sound, it doesn't sound like that's what it was for you. No. And I mean, it's an Island, so there's boating and beaches and people don't think about it that way, but we were closest to the outer bridge, which was, I mean, we could almost see it from the house right over to the Jersey side. So it was kind of the last developed area. 
of wow. Island. Yeah. Wow. And then you ended up moving to New Jersey. Yes. Which I have been through New Jersey. I, I, I was um, invited to speak at an event in um, Atlantic City. And I drove out there because it's on, it's not far. And um, and I was surprised. I, I got out, I stopped at a gas station in New Jersey and and I get out of my car. I'm getting ready to pump the gas, and some dude walks up. What are you doing? He like yells at me. I'm like, I, I getting gas, dude. What's he's like, get back in your car. You're not allowed to do that. And I'm like, did not know that. <laughs> Sorry. Did you see my tags? I'm from Ohio, dude. But anyway, so um, that was my experience. In I had never heard of that before. I was in Florida one time, and I didn't know I needed <laughs> gas. I was on the, you know, Alligator Alley there. And there was like one stop, and I didn't know I had to ask. I didn't know. I didn't know you didn't. <laughs> it was far wow. enough. Wow. So, so, um, and what now? You you ended up going to college in New Jersey, you said, right? I what did. Was your, what was your degree in? Well, I was one of the ones who really early on knew what they wanted to do. When I used to always keep journals and diaries back then. And when I was 13, I wrote in my diary, I will be an exercise therapist. I really didn't even know what that meant, but we do things to move towards pleasure. And the pleasure for me was I loved when I was moving, dancing, swimming, cheerleading, softball, I mean, anything, Riding my bike, I love that endorphin rush, those happy chemicals. And yeah. we all do things to move away from pain. And I had a really strong family history of heart disease, diabetes, obesity, cancer, alcoholism. And I looked at all that yeah. and went, ooh, I don't want anything to do with that. So I had to wait until I was 17 to get certified. And I got my associate's degree from a junior college in biology. And then I went on to Rutgers, got my bachelor's with in exercise science. And Jeez. then I went to East Strasburg for my master's, which is in clinical exercise physiology and cardiac rehabilitation. So I got my license December 11th. First place I drove was to a health club. I started working there, worked at health clubs all through college and then started working full-time day after I graduated and uh, wound up getting into ownership of health clubs. <laughs> there's, there's my buddy Glenn watching. Hey, Glenn. <laughs> and Joe Ingram. We have a lot of great people on here. Charles Coachman. So, so, okay. Biology is the reason I didn't finish high school. I don't know if you've ever heard my story. <laughs> I hated that class. They're like, you need. They called me in my senior year. You need to have a biology credit to graduate. And I'm like, that's stupid. I hate that class. I'm not dissecting frogs ever again in my life. Like, what the heck? <laughs> they, they didn't see it my way. So you know, that's that's the way it goes. But um, it, it's interesting to me that you pursue that. Like that was your passion. Wow. So, so you, you get out of college, you go on, did you immediately go in and get the master's degree then? I did. I was 22 by the time I finished three college degrees with high honors. And at that point, I think I had four certifications already. My gosh. And you just immediately started your own business. I did. So I was working at the health club in town that I had went to when I got my driver's license. And so they hired me as their fitness director. Then I kind of kept going and upgrading personal training director, became the weekend manager, the manager. And then we started opening up multiple locations. And then we started managing corporate fitness centers. And then I founded a school. So somewhere in that 14 year period, about four years in, I became a partner and I was there until my son was born. So got to do a lot of cool things. This was when personal training was really just getting started, you know, back from like 1987, let's say. Wow. So we were um, number one in New Jersey for personal training. And my school was really a source to bring people in and train them to become certified fitness pros because it was all still so new. So it was an amazing ride, a great way to get connected to community. And we were really a family-based fitness center. And this is in Jersey? This is in Jersey, yes. We had four clubs and 
a bunch of corporate fitness centers for companies like Calvin Klein and BMW, AT&T, Nabisco. <laughs> I feel really self-conscious right now about my no. health. <laughs> I'm hey, I'm drinking a green smoothie and there's evidence my green screen effect is taking it. I, I have this every morning. My my wife makes it for me every morning. So, um, but I think that I would like to know how, how okay. First, are most people like me when they meet you and find out what you do? Like, they immediately become self-conscious about their health choices. Yeah, I've been invited to a lot of parties. People <laughs> <laughs> yeah. in the grocery store and they're like, look, yeah. don't look at my cart. <laughs> yeah, right, right. And mm -hmm. I'm so not intimidating. I'm not, I don't judge anyone. I, I really don't. Once you get to know me, you'll you'll be relaxed. So what, what ended up, at some point you left New Jersey and move and uh, is that when you moved directly to Dallas or did you go anywhere else before yeah, that? No, that was a direct move. You know, wanted a better lifestyle. Didn't really love the winters in the Northeast. I was, Amen. Oh. Work, you know, like four and five and we just want to be outdoors year round and enjoy it. And it is a great place to raise a family. I mean, everything is just exemplary here. The schools, the hospitals, the shopping, the airports, the weather. So it's an awesome place to raise kids. Yeah. I, I think um, everybody should visit Frisco. <laughs> <laughs> it's a beautiful area. It is. So, so tell me about your, so I'm assuming that you, um, <laughs> Glenn, your fake green, green screen smoothie looks so real. It is real. Um, Tell me though about the the business. Did you sell your your clubs in in Jersey and move to Dallas? I, so that actually happened before. I knew that I wanted to be a mom that raised her kids, and with the health clubs, that was from five in the morning till ten at night. It was yeah. seven days a week. I had hundreds of employees, thousands of members. I was driving all over, running the school at nights. And I wanted to raise my kids. So my son was born in 2000 and my daughter in 2001. They're now 19 and 20. And I sat my partner down and said, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'll figure it out. And that was my soul. I mean, 14 years building up that business. That's all I knew. I started there when I was 17. And so wow. I came home and the internet was really just getting going in 2000. So I sat there and I still wanted to contribute to my industry on a really high level. I mean, I spent yeah. all this getting this education and developing all these programs, but I want to raise my kids, but I really liked executive pay. You know, I didn't want to give up the income either. So I became the lead fitness expert for eDiets, which at the time was the lead subscription-based diet website. And I launched their fitness division. And then I started writing, speaking, consulting, editing, spokesperson, media work, really anything that I could do to help people who wanted to be fit but also the other side of my business was helping trainers who didn't necessarily know how to run a business, how to serve people. So I had sort of those two different niches for the next you know, few years before we moved to Dallas. Wow. So once I got to Dallas, I continued to do those things, but I also opened up fitness boot camps because we can be outside. So we started doing outdoor boot camps and and then I got into other things as well. But so the transition happened when my kids were born. Um, and I actually wrote a best-selling book with our friend Kyle Wilson called yes. Mom and Dad Panuris. And, you know, that was about the whole well, lifestyle. Oh, uh, look at that. Yeah, Mom and Dad Panuris. So oh, I love that. Yeah, I, I mean, my heart is for people to have, you know, the order of God, family, business, and never sacrifice your family for, you know, income, that's for sure. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. So um, what are some of the, I mean, this show is about, it's about challenges and, and how we overcome those things. It sounds like you've been on easy street your whole life. <laughs> <laughs> you're like yeah no 
No. <laughs> so uh, along the way and, and start at whatever the earliest age, I mean, what are some of the challenges that you've, you've faced throughout life that you've, you've had to overcome? Yeah. I mean, there are definitely always turning points. Um, you know, selling the health clubs was one of them because that was my soul. And I felt like I was ripped out of my world as I knew it. And I didn't know anything else for 14 years. You know, that that's what I did. So that took a transition where, you know, I had just built a new house and, you know, I was used to a certain lifestyle. And so I had to start over and really figure it out. So that was one transition. And you do, you know, you, you figure yeah. it out. And you know, now I've got this baby and one in my belly. And so it was just a whole different season of life that took adjusting to. Uh, but you, you figure it out. And then the next transition was moving to Dallas, where I was surrounded by family my whole life. And now we were, you know, standing alone as a just a small family unit. And I was kind of known where I was in my town and the health club owner and being so active in the community. And it was kind of different that no one knew me, which was okay. You know, it was kind of like, no one's watching me, no one's expecting anything of me. So that was a different transition, but the culture is very different between the Northeast and Dallas. So that took an adjustment. Um, yeah. It was a good one. I mean, if I had to move from Dallas to New Jersey, I think that would have been harder <laughs> coming to Dallas. Yeah. Just a beaut. I mean, everyone is so nice and friendly and the pace of life is slower. So, but yeah. it took an adjustment. Um, but probably the biggest one that really rocked my world, um, the most challenging thing that I've been through, and you know, I've lost my dad and I've lost all my grandparents and friends and I've been through hard things, was when my husband of 24 years came home and said, my commitment to our marriage is zero. And he left. That floored me. That really blindsided me. Uh, my whole world was about my family. I was very, very committed to that. And wow. so that emptied me out. I mean, that really just took me to my knees and my identity wasn't being a wife, being a mom, right? As my kids were leaving for college. So that whole dynamic changed. And then, you know, you wind up oh. changing neighborhoods and, you know, every, everything changes. You're like, you feel like a tornado came through and blew up your life and left a gaping hole in your heart and everything has just been scattered. So that was by far the, the biggest struggle to date. <laughs> First, I, I have to I have to state the obvious. I can't believe that that no one said it in the comments yet. Um, you look like if you were married for twenty four years, it looks like you might have gotten married around the age of four. <laughs> 24 but thank you <laughs> my gosh you don't i mean you look like you're maybe 28 uh well, I, I, you won before the year's over oh my gosh you gotta be kidding me wow that is absolutely amazing so i want whatever you're having <laughs> like that is unbelievable so 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 24 years of marriage your husband comes home tells you I'm I'm no longer committed to this marriage. Um, he left, and your entire world was rocked in that moment. Um, what happened from there? Where did you Where did you go from there? Because that that sounds um, sounds painful. That was excruciatingly painful. So I am wired, obviously, as a responsible person who's a doer and a super achiever. So you just go into the mode of, okay, I got to house. I got to find a place in the school district. Um, you know, you go into mode of what you need to do to survive. And in the meantime, you're managing two teenagers' hearts who are now very hurt and yeah. dealing with it in their own way. I mean, they're angry. They're, you know, just rejecting everything. So, of course, that was a huge concern for me. And it, it just went into this season of unreasonable difficulty where, I mean, if it could have gone wrong, it did. I moved four times in 12 months trying to keep my kids in the district. Wow. Um, that was completely unreasonable, completely out of my control, highly stressful. Um, you know, I never thought I'd move out of the house where we thought we'd see our kids graduate from high school. So leaving that neighborhood, 
between me and the kids, we had five car accidents. Uh, my son changed schools five times. He moved across the country three times. My daughter's horse colic two times. She was in the emergency room three times. I mean, I, I could go on. It was like every day was like, just felt like attack. I never had a panic or anxiety attack in my life, but I was, I ground my teeth down in a matter of six months between dental visits. My dentist wow. was, what happened? I mean, I would wake up and I would just have my nails imprinted in the flesh. I was not breathing. I would I'd sit at my desk and just gasp. Oh my gosh. So, yeah. The, my hair was falling a clumps of hair. Just, it was, you know, the, you can't separate the spirit, the mind and the body. And it was just trauma from all ends. just felt like attack. So you're in survival mode and trying to keep, you know, money coming in and lots of money's going out and things just were falling apart. And I had to just surrender them. And that was, you know, a difficult thing for someone to do who's a doer. <laughs> you know, I'm, And you're right. Things had gone well for me a lot. And I, you know, I worked hard for them. But this was what was necessary for me to get to where I am today, which is whole and healed. But it was a two plus year process of focusing on healing like it was my job. Wow. And what were some of the steps that you found yourself taking to, um, to heal? In true super achiever mode, <laughs> I got in divorce recovery. I was in a prayer group. I did deliverance sessions. I was in Bible study. I went on the retreats. I was at the conferences. I was listening to sermons every day, worship music. I mean, I treated it like my job because my brain was literally so fogged in PTSD that I couldn't function to work. You know, I would sit down to make a sales call or lead my team or, and it was just, I couldn't. So I, I almost didn't have another option. So I treated it like it was my job. I was looking for a program that didn't exist. <laughs> so I was having to create my own because I couldn't find one thing that could help me heal. So I was just working on it from every direction, wide counsel, counselors, amazing friends, support system, mentors, all of it. <laughs> I, mean, I did everything I could do. Wow. Farid says the lion mom wakes up while healing. Yes. Great job. So, <clears throat> wow, that sounds um, painful. It was painful. It was really yeah. excruciatingly pain. I mean, divorce is a death of a marriage, but your spouse is still here. And in my case, my ex-husband, well, he served me divorce papers on my 49th birthday. And then he reopened the case on Valentine's Day and then served the final divorce papers on what would have been our 25-year anniversary. And then he was engaged the next month. And then he was remarried. What, does this guy have horns growing out of his head or something? What the heck? Every day was like insult, insult, attack. So every day was. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Your birthday, Valentine's Day, and then your anniversary date. Yeah. Those are the days he picked. Yes. <laughs> On a scale of one to rude, guess where I think that falls in? And to be honest, I don't even know if he was, if he even knew, if he even realized it, like if he even is that attentive, I don't even know if it was intentional or not, but that's just how it happened. Wow. So it, that, that doesn't sound like, well, it wasn't that long ago. No, it wasn't. You, um, you're radiating this beautiful glow of joy and happiness. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to go out on a limb here and say you, you, you're healed. I am healed. I am so healed. Yes. It has been a process and layer by layer, I was able to peel off all of the old junk and you have to take your responsibility. You know, it wasn't a hundred percent him and zero percent me, you know, looking back at it and knowing what I now know, I can see, you know, how I was, he was someone, you know, he was the baby of the family. So lower on the responsibility scale. So someone had to be super responsible and, um, you know, you just see what you do to kind of function. So I was an enabler. I, you know, mm. all the things that I was doing to 
you know, kind of have our marriage upside down and kind of taking things away from him because he was less responsible. So it was a interesting dynamic. Men want to be respected. Women want to feel secure. I never felt secure. He had 26 jobs in 26 years and it, he was a difficult man to respect. So, you know, looking back, it's easy to see now, but yes, um, forgiveness was huge. And the biggest and hardest thing was forgiving myself. Yeah. Because I felt like such a failure. I thought I ruined my kids' lives and, you know, being this person who just does well and is upright and you, you do, you feel like a failure. So yeah. one of the last pieces of my healing after really getting my identity right and renewing my mind and putting the past in perspective and getting present, doing all the meditation was forgiving myself and getting to the point where not only could I forgive him, but bless him, bless his new wife, and really honestly hold no bitterness. There's Jen. Hey, Jen. Beautiful Jen. She's she's awesome. Yeah. So, <clears throat> wow. This is um, so so. What what would you say if you were to say that there is one thing? that you could put your finger on that is the thing the one thing that that caused your um your biggest leap in the in the healing journey because that is a journey what do you think that was um well definitely the forgiveness was huge that was the last piece for me and it, it was only a few months ago where i could really say like wow I have got this because I'd come back from a retreat and be like, okay, I'm good. And then, you know, all of a sudden you find out he's engaged and it's like, you know, all over again. But now I can say like, okay, I'm really good. So forgiving myself was definitely one. But another one is that I pre-decided how I was going to live. So I pre-decided that I'm someone who's unoffendable. I pre-decided that I'm someone who lives in forgiveness. So if someone does offend me, I'm just going to pre-forgive them because it is not worth, like I can't lose another moment of my life being bitter and, and judgmental or critical or any of that. It's just not worth it. So I right. pre-deciding that I'm going to live in peace. I'm going to live in joy. Nothing is worth having that stolen from me. So um, just kind of deciding that you're going to wake up every day and be in joy and be in peace and not let your circumstances determine anything. Wow. That's powerful. It is. Yeah, it is. <laughs> so how, <clears throat> what about people that may be going through that now? I mean, what, what would you say, <clears throat> excuse me, to somebody going through it right now? What, what would you say that they need to, <clears throat> excuse me, what do you think that they need to focus on to, to uh, it sounds like forgiveness, but forgiveness. Um, one, you know, it's interesting because there's something called the grief cycle, which prior to this, I didn't even know what that was. I mean, like right. I said, I've lost my dad, I've lost grandparents, best friends to cancer, but I never knew grief like this. So the grief cycle, just seeing that chart was so helpful to me because it does start with that shock where you just right. blindside. Oh, Garbage men are out there. Trash guys. Yes. And then the healing from grief is not like this. It's not linear. It's not like, okay, right. no, just getting better, 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 better. You're going to have that dip. So along the way, there's going to be anger. There's going to be resentment. There's going to be bitterness. There's going to be loneliness. Loneliness is such a real part of grief. And then eventually, when I found out about this grief cycle, I was in depression. And a friend said to me, Kelly, it's good news. You're depressed. You're on the upswing. I was like, what? What do you mean it's good news that I'm depressed? And she's like, yeah, that means you're working towards you know, readjusting and getting healthy and eventually wanting to help others. So kind of knowing where you are in the grief cycle helps. And you may fall back or you may jump forward. That's just kind of how grief goes. But don't get stuck anywhere. You, we, you talked to me about why you even started this was because people get stuck and you were stuck. And yes, we're going to have stuff happen, but don't stay there. Don't live there. Don't get stuck 
in loneliness. Don't self-isolate. Don't get stuck in bitterness and anger or depression. Work through it. And for me, you know, Sundays were always the hardest day because that was a big family day. It wasn't like there weren't good times. There were. We always were together, you know, whether it was church or a meal or kids' activities or company. And so I sat alone on Sundays until I felt okay being alone, not lonely, but alone, where I could just right. be with myself and not be sobbing in tears. And then I got to a point where I was like, okay, now I can go out because I don't have that victim mindset and mentality. I didn't want to bring my victim energy to the party and bring everyone else down. So you there's no magic wand here. You have to sit in some things and you have to work through the pain. Otherwise, our brains are in survival mode. We're going to look for something to do to quickly get out of pain. And a lot of times they're not the best choice. <laughs> You're going to choose alcohol, just go find another guy, you know, whatever, travel, escape, whatever it is, choose something healthy. And that was the thing I had going for me 34 years as a health coach. That's how I'm wired. I was not going to abuse my body. I still stayed on schedule. I still got up even when I felt like laying in bed. And some days I laid back down again. But um, moving towards health all the time. And still, you know, giving yourself some grace to feel the feels was important. So you have to feel it and work your way through it. Otherwise, you're going to keep repeating it until you get it. Well, you used a, a word. You've used it a couple of times now. Um, you used the word surrender. And in, in my book, I wrote about that. Uh, one of the chapters is called Surrender. Um, mm -hmm. So. Talk about that, because I, I think that there's that that's one of the most important things that we can do in life is is learn how to surrender to the things that that we're we're clinging on to. And it's all in our head. I mean, it's, it's like and, and tell me if I'm wrong, but you, you probably weren't depressed as much about the, the loss of what sounded like a ve not very exciting relationship as much as you were depressed about the thought of the per perception of what the relationship should be or whatever. I I am I wrong about that? No, it was a lot. It nearly killed me trying to keep that charade going. I mean, we're in a million dollar home and, you know, the cars, the vacations, mm -hmm. yeah. the, you know, the oldest son and the daughter and, you know, making it look like it was all perfect nearly killed me. And so, yeah. That was a lot of work to keep that all going. And so when people said to me, oh, he did you a favor. You'll see, you'll love, you know, being single. And I was like, I didn't want this story. I didn't, you know, it was still, I valued marriage and my commitment. Yeah. Yeah. And so in terms of the surrender, I didn't know this was a thing, but after the spouse who monthly leaves, they usually feel guilty. You're feeling rejected, but he came back after a few months out there, the grass was green and said, I made a mistake. Let's grow old together. I'll do anything. And that wrecked me because I I was just starting to, okay, get oh. this idea that, you know, this was how it was going to look. And so I had to, that was another time where I had to surrender, where I was like, okay, to stay in love and respect this man is the hardest thing that could ever be called to do. I don't know if I can do it and I definitely can't do it alone, <laughs> but I also didn't want this story. I'm not like, woohoo, this will be great. You know, I want to go off and have the single life. I knew this wasn't going to be easy either. So I spent three days. It was a rainy weekend in October. It was actually this weekend last year, just on my knees going, I can't pass choice. Like, God, you're going to have to make this for me because there are two cards and I don't know which one. And so I really felt like in surrendering, I do get a clear answer that we dealt with differently. So we're together 26 years. That was a long time. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't working. So I got confirmation on those things after surrendering it three different times that that's how it was meant to be. Luckily, I didn't have to make that decision. He came back and said, no, nah, let's face it, you know, we're not going to work on this and left anyway. But when you surrender it, you'll get the right answers. doesn't mean they're easy, but um, they're the best answers. Even if you can't see it in the moment, looking back now, I can say that, 
yes, it had to happen. And this is my bonus life and I am healed because it, it went this way. Wow. That's powerful. Yeah. There people are commenting. There was some feedback there for a minute. I, I don't know if it's, I think it's, it's gone now. Um, the internet does crazy things once in a while, just is what it is. So, um, <clears throat> Let's talk about your your um, your business a little bit. Um, who's your who's your typical client? Well, there's there's been a little bit of a shift. So I've always had a heart for women. So I've worked a lot with women, but I've also worked with a lot of men in my health coaching business. Um, I was a top achiever in a network marketing company that a nutrition company that I'm still with, but I. For the last two years, I haven't been out there leading love network marketing. So thankful to get paid every week. My goodness, what a blessing that has been. Yeah. So, you know, I had clients in the nutrition network marketing business, but I literally yesterday just launched a new company with a brand new niche that I only just really got this download five weeks ago. So five weeks ago, one of my goals when this whole process started was to get two kids in college. And so five weeks ago, both kids got dropped off at college, a freshman and a sophomore, both good students, collegiate athletes. And I came home and I was like, okay, I feel like I checked that box. Now what? And the download that I got was that nothing is wasted. So yesterday I launched a new program called Intentionally Fabulous Single Redefined. And it is specifically and strategically for women going through any stages of separation, divorce, and post-divorce who want to get unstuck, who want to work through that grief cycle wherever they are and be the best version of themselves to not only get healthy, but to get to a life that they never even could ask, think, or imagine would be possible. So um, that literally just started yesterday and uh, it's an eight week course. And, you know, we go into the, the hard things like identity and forgiveness and renewing your mind and purpose and self-love, gratitude, divine health, abundant wealth, celebration and resurrection. You know, it's coming back from a dead place. So that wow. that's eight week course I just launched yesterday. Wow. What is the, uh, I'm sure there's a website. Yes. Um, intentionallyfabulous.com. Hold and on. Intention. I'm going to, I'm going to scroll it across the screen. So intentionally fabulous. Yep.com yep. forward slash now. That's where they can actually see the program. N O W. Yes. Okay. Yes. And there's a, a Facebook private is group. That, is that correct? Yes, that's perfect. Awesome. Good speller. <laughs> Somebody, huh? You're a good speller. <laughs> well, I know all about being fabulous, so I'm kidding. Um, so so somebody type that in the comments for me. Put the www in front of it so it's clickable in the comments, if you would. Um, so oh I look, I didn't even have to say it. Jen was on it. Look at her. That's awesome. So so this is a, 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 and is it like live coaching or is it just like video modules that they watch or what is it? So I'm doing it live. So Monday nights is when I do the live training. It's 90 minutes live on that topic. And then they, in their membership site, will get the recording. And then I have a, a live Q&A that I do on Thursday afternoons where they can come and ask any questions for an hour. And then I also have a healing activation guide. And that's where they have meditations, activations, visualizations. Um, what am I missing? Affirmations. Anyway, and celebration. So there's five things that they get the recordings of. So they get to hear a meditation, an affirmation, a visualization, and then they get the activation and the celebration as part of their healing guide. Um, and then there's a Facebook group, of course, just an amazing community where they can go and connect because so many women feel lonely. And, you know, talk about the hard things and talk about the praise reports and, you know, really any topics there. Now, is this, is, is this like a man hater group? 
Not at all. No, it's the I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. And what I tell them up front is this is not about your ex and it's not about your children. This is about you being the best version of you. And when you become different, the world around you becomes different and how you relate to other people and how you receive things, the boundaries you set up. So this is about you being the best you. What if it's what if it's somebody that's not going through a divorce and they just want to get better in life? Is it not for them? You know, it can totally be for them. In fact, on last night's training, I think I mentioned the word divorce like maybe two or three times. So anyone who's, you know, any relationship that someone has been through that they're not healed from, or even if they're in a relationship where they feel like I could be the best version of me if I could live a life where I forgave myself and the people around me, or I knew where my true identity was, or maybe they've been through abuse. I mean, everyone in life has been through something. So yeah. Intensely Fabulous is the brand. The first course is single, redefined but I know I'm going to be adding new courses and the, the principles are really the same. I mean, abundant wealth, divine health, these things will never change. It'll just, you know, be tweaked a little bit for the population listening. Now, when it comes to, because you are into obviously fitness <laughs> and, and health, like when it, when it comes to that, how many, how do I ask this uh, word, this question? How many people that you work with do you find that you you have to um, retrain them on how to grocery shop? I remember, and the reason I ask this is I remember years ago when I first time I had ever joined a gym, I it was I was in my mid thirties, and. Um, and I joined, it doesn't matter which gym, but anyway, I joined this gym and, and I hired one of the trainers there, a personal trainer. And, and she's like, how, what are you eating? And I'm like, whatever drive through is open. Like, she's like, oh my God, I got to take you grocery shopping. And I'm like, okay. So we go to Whole Foods. I felt like an alien first off. And I'm like, what? And and she's, you, you got to buy this. And we're walking through and I'm like, I, I like, this is crazy. I, I don't, what am I supposed to do with it when I get at home? Like what? And I was single at the time, but I, I was like, I didn't, I didn't know what I didn't know. And, and so I, I'm, I'm curious how you help people in that regard or do you? I do. You know, I have grocery shopping store tours that I've done. And so people can get that. Um, but it's interesting because it, it has to do with readiness to change. So it depends on where on the scale that someone is. If someone is like, oh, you know, I don't, I don't read labels or I don't do it, they're not ready. And then people will start to get interested and curious and they'll start to do a little research. And, you know, eventually you work your way up to making a decision where you say, okay, you know, I've got this, I'm willing. And then you hire the trainer and, you know, you yeah. make happen, but it doesn't mean it happens forever until you get to the identity level of change. So first we do the environmental change, like, okay, we're going to change the things around us. We're going to put our running shoes out. We're going to get water and green drinks. And we do things on the environmental level first, and that's good. And certainly do that, clean that up, but then keep going deeper until you change your, um, beliefs and you change your abilities and your capabilities until eventually it's your identity where you're not the guy who drives through the drive through anymore. It's just not who you are. It's just not an option um, unless there is no other option. And it's a, you know, and a freak thing that, okay, we got to do it, but it's not who you are anymore. So when you change on an identity level, going into the grocery store is a whole different thing. It's not a battle. So when someone decides I'm someone who takes care of my body and I don't put sugar in it doesn't mean never, but it's not you're coming home with a cart full of cake and ice cream and cookies and get like right. it's, it's an identity level change. Like I am someone who's going to live long, strong, healthy, energetic years in a fit body. And if I take care of myself in these middle years, it's going to make the later years awesome. I don't yeah. want to look like some older people that I know that are suffering and have no quality to their lives. So it, it really comes back to identity.
you know, I had um, last year, it was about a year, I don't know, year and a half ago, maybe, um, I had Andy Frisella on on the show. And and Andy's a badass. I mean, he's just, and very intimidating. Um, and and so, so we, and he had just started, I don't know, it had only been a few months that he had started the 75 Hard program. And on the show, at the end, I said, you know, Andy, I didn't even bring up 75 hard. I got all these friends that are, oh, you got to do 75 hard. Da, da, da. I said, you know why, right? And he goes, yeah, now you have to blank and do it, you know? And I'm like, ah. So my wife and I did 75 hard and and I somebody started a private Facebook group. 300 people joined. They all wanted to do 75 hard with us. Um, and here's what I found. I finished it. So did my wife. It was the most life-changing thing I've ever done in my life. Um, but, but a tiny percentage of people actually finished it in that group. Like, I mean, a small percentage. Yeah. I, I finished, I finished it last week. I did 75. Oh, did you really? I did. Yeah. Hey, we're yeah. Alive. And well, now I'm starting phase one tomorrow. Uh, Oh, I never did anything but the first one. That's it. I'm like, phase, no way. Uh-uh. I'm not, I am not getting in a cold shower for five minutes. Nope. So, so, but talk about that, about the, the level of, because I think that here's what happens. When I started 75 hard, had I known how freaking hard it was going to be, I would have never committed to that. Never. It was hard. I mean, very hard. Not just, and, and again, all five, I mean, work out twice a day, 45 minutes, yeah, whatever, no big deal. Just go for a walk. That counts as one, right? So, so, um, you know, drinking a gallon of water. Okay. I'll drink a couple of extra cups that I normally wouldn't drink. No problem. Reading 10 pages a day. Love it. Been there, did it. You know, all of these, but when you have to do all of them every day, do not forget your picture, all of this, you know, it's, um, it's a lot. And, and so the level of commitment, how, what do you find with your clients that, you know, start something and they don't finish it? That's a majority. I mean, that, like you said, a couple, 3% actually finished 75 hard. So a majority of people don't, you know, they start out and the motivation's high and I got this, I get this, but then at some point it gets hard. Right? And those are the ones who need to press in, press through, and you have to have a big enough why. And for you having your wife, so there's power to that accountability part. And yes, the Facebook group is awesome by far if you don't have someone, but having your wife or the two of you, you know, or like, all right, come on, let's get back out there and get that second workout in. And all right, no wine tonight at dinner. And so, oh, we fought, we got into arguments. Like, <laughs> was, I was like, did you really do 45 minutes? She was like, I'll kill you. <laughs> I'm kidding. It wasn't that bad, but it was like, you know, I mean, it's freaking hard. People don't realize how it's, it's, it's not easy. But you're right. The accountability side of it definitely helped for sure. Yeah. Farid is asking, this is her third time, I think, asking, what should a, a beginner, where, sh what should a beginner start with in their physical fitness journey? Yeah. I mean, if you're doing nothing, walking is awesome and outside is the best if possible. Getting out, getting in nature, just walking. It gets all your major muscle groups stimulated. It gets your heart pounding, get a little sweat going. It gets your mind out in nature and just be. Don't even take music, don't take your phone. Just be out in nature walking. Focus on your breathing. That is a great place to start. Once you do that, um, stretching is the forgotten component of fitness, but wow, that'll help you feel so much better if you've got an achy back or achy joints or tight hips or tight shoulders. The stretching is awesome, and then progress to strengthening, but just something as simple as walking is great for heart health and longevity. Um, so much research behind just walking and then you'll want to do more because just like with 75 hard, once you get going, you don't want to quit. You don't want to stop. You're seeing the changes in your pictures as the yep. 
weeks go on, you can't not improve if you stay consistent. It is absolutely mind blowing how much you change. And it, and the the best part is it's not real. I mean, the physical is a byproduct, but that's not what changes. I, I remember finishing 75 hard and I thought there is nothing on planet earth that I can't do right now. Like nothing like you, you and I'm not talking physical mentally. You're a different you just become different. It's it's amazing. So um, Joe Ingram says, step one, get off the couch. Step two, get bacon. Step three, repeat. <laughs> uh, but when the 75 hard was over, how did you feel? Because mine just ended and my accountability part is like, I have too much time on my hands. I need to do another challenge. Like you just feel like you yeah. miss it when it's over. Well, I, I can tell you that I've never, I, I, from that point forward, I attacked my business with a ferociousness I'd never, ever done. And, and you know, I think that, and here's one of the things that was motivating to me. And I think everybody needs to look at it like this. I, <clears throat> I live my life to help other people. There was a lady in Germany who was 75 years old or 70, 70 some years old. She sent me this amazing message on Instagram saying that all of my stories, because I was doing Instagram stories every day, like she's like, it has motivated me. I haven't been able to get off of the couch in years since her husband passed. And she started doing, she started inside first and then outside. She was literally walking up and down the three steps outside her front door for the first, for 45 minutes. That's how she got started. It changed her life. And she was motivated by, see, inspired by seeing me do it. I'm like, I'm just some fat old man walking around my neighborhood. But, you know, I'm like, and and it was like, it changed, it, it helped other people. And for me, that's what it's about. And I know that's what it's about for you. Absolutely. Yes. So everybody needs to go. Every lady who has been through a divorce or bad relationship or whatever. Maybe you're going through it now. Um, maybe you intend on going through it in the future. Um, everybody except my wife go <laughs> over to <laughs> everybody go to intentionallyfabulous.com forward slash now and check out Kelly's new program. And you have the book that you did with Kyle, correct? Let me let me give you full screen. So, oh, you're in that book too. Yeah, this one tells my new story. Oh yeah. my gosh, I didn't know. I, I Kyle just sent that to me, and I bought it when when Jen put it out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Look, my wife, my wife's laughing. It's Finally, she found one of my jokes funny. <laughs> <laughs> so that I just got that book, Kyle. I I bought it when Jen because Jen's in it too. I think right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah. the one. Yeah. So I just got that when she put it, when she was talking about it. And I think I have like 10 other friends that are in that book as well. So, um, and then Kyle just sent me a, a signed copy of it. So that's, that's really awesome. Yeah. There's um, stories in here. And what people are telling me is as part of their morning routine, they're reading one a day because it's only like two, three pages. So every morning, you read one of these stories of, you know, overcoming and persistence and not quitting. And just, you see what people have been through and it starts your day. So encouraged. You're like, if they could do it, I can get up and do what I need to do today. So I, I've been telling people read one a day. How uh, Charles has a great uh, question there. Yes, I agree. It would work for widows because it is a death of, of different sorts. But yes, working through, you know, all of that, there's sadness, there's lonely. I mean, grief is grief without, without a doubt. And you need to work through it to get to a place of health. And, and it's definitely not for men. <laughs> it's not this one, you know, but I have been shocked by how many men are writing and going, are you going to do this for men? Is there something like this for men? I mean, this didn't exist. I had to put this together. I couldn't find it. And so I may do a co-ed one and I, I may partner with a, if I find the right man to partner with, um, maybe do a men's version. Wow. 
That is awesome. If if you could have, let's pretend that 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 I have the most popular show on planet Earth, and and all seven and a half billion people on the planet get to hear you spit one nugget of wisdom that could possibly change their life for the better. What would that be? Go. Let love win. That is the goal. If you use that as the barometer for everything you do, let love's ideal win. That is the goal in every situation. And it start with self-love because you can't give what you don't have. And what's inside of you is what's going to come out of you, especially when you're squeezed under pressure. So start with self-love and then love your neighbors as you love yourself. Start with you and radiate it out. Just vibrate love in all your decisions. Let love win. That's beautiful. I love that. So what, what for somebody that is um, struggling, they're stuck. If, if you... I guess, what do you think that the, the number one thing is that holds people back from experiencing massive success and joy and peace and happiness in life? Ah, there's so many things that hold them back. That voice in your head that says, you're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You're not tall enough. You're, you're too fat. You're, there's that voice that holds okay. all of us back. And so we need to quiet that voice and listen to the other voice that says, you are lovable, you are enough, you are smart, you're capable, you're, you have a purpose and a good plan on your life. You know, be bold. We're not meant to just sit in our homes alone. We're meant to connect. We have talents we're meant to use. So listen to that voice. Go back to those dreams in your heart because you matter. You're here to be a difference maker on whatever level that that looks like. So just quiet that voice. Do not compare yourself to anyone else's story. There's always going to be someone who has more, does more, gives more, whatever. This is about you. This is about your story. This is about your service while we're here in this short little time on earth. So just quiet. If it's a negative thing, it's the wrong voice to listen to. Wow. That's powerful. It's very powerful. Any last words of wisdom that you would like to leave the audience with? My mm. gosh, you've got just this beautiful energy. I love your energy. Let today be the best day of your life. Today will never happen again. This is all we're promised. So wake up every day knowing it is the best day of your life. Wow. Kelly, you're awesome. Everybody needs to go to, well, not everybody this time. Um, <laughs> women who are having, um, it's post-divorce people going through bad breakups, relationships, widows, um, intentionally fabulous.com forward slash now. Um, here in the very near future, I, I think Kelly's going to have a program for men as well. <laughs> yes. And they can go to kellycalibries.com if they want to see about my nutrition and my books and all of that. It, it's Kelly with an I calibries.com. They can go there. And, um, the Facebook group for intentionally fabulous is, you know, Facebook and intentionally fabulous. They can find it. What about, um, where's, where's the best place on social media for people to follow you? Facebook. Yeah. My personal page, which is just my name. That's where right. I, I spend the most time. And, um, yeah, I do post just about every day on LinkedIn and I've got a bunch of videos on my YouTube page that they can watch. I usually post almost daily for the last month or so since I started this new direction. Wow. Very, very cool. Instagram. I'm on Instagram. I'm learning Instagram. I'm posting more there. Um, yes. <laughs> the answer is yes. Okay. Um, so go follow Kelly everywhere. And, and I'm sure all of your social media is linked from your website, I'm assuming. Yes. So kellycalabrese.com, right? Yes. 
I don't have time to type that up there, but it's just your name.com. That's it. It's already on the screen. Kellycalabrese.com. Everybody go over. Somebody type that in the comments for me, please. Um, Kellycalabrese.com. So everybody go follow Kelly. Go out on, on social media. Follow her everywhere. Um, if you are a, a, a lady that's gone through a divorce, a hard breakup, a, a maybe the, the death of your husband, your spouse, or whatever, if you're going through it, go to intentionallyfabulous.com forward slash now. Check out Kelly's new course. She just launched it. Sounds like it's taking off like a rocket. So that's awesome. Congratulations. And, and Kelly, if there's ever anything I can do to help you, you let me know. Oh, well, thank you, Ken. You're awesome. It's been an honor to be here. Appreciate you and your audience. Thanks for tuning in. This is fun. Thank you so much. And I'm going to go ahead and end this, but you stay with me. Don't hang up. And we will see you all tomorrow. Thanks so much, Kelly. Thank you. Guys, have a great day. Bye-bye.